Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of We Walk the Earth podcast, a Nodalab original show. I'm your host, Sergio Isauro. We Walk the Earth is a space for discovery and learning about other people, their paths, and how they connect with our own. It feels great to see the community growing and engaging more and more each time. I want to give a shout out to our top listening countries, Mexico, the USA, UK, Colombia, and Canada. It's amazing to think that people are letting us be part of their daily lives as they walk their own paths on this earth. This episode is supported by Evan Pagan's virtual coach training. If you wish to find out more about this training and Evan's work on helping people healthily achieve their biggest potential, please go to the link in the show notes of this episode. I'm personally going through Evan's training to become a coach, and in a couple of months we'll be ready to help guide other people through a creative journey of self-evolution. I can't wait to share this next stage of my life with you. Stay tuned for more. With no further ado, I'd like to introduce this week's guest, a dear and inspiring friend and a true musical genius. He's a traveler and creative whose path is full of elements that help build a better world. From art and music to community engagement, environmental justice, and just overall buena onda and realness. Biomigrant is a musical expression of US-born producer and multi-instrumentalist Michael Alfred Wagner, who in 2014 crossed Central America by bicycle arriving in Colombia, where he currently lives, with his mix of digital beats production, live instrumentation, traditional Latin American music, and field recording, he has brought joy and surprises to dance floors across the Americas and Europe. He explores sound as a medium to relive and share powerful moments and perspectives and believes that through music and dance, even the most painful experiences can be channeled into something beautiful. Please, let's welcome to the show Michael Alfred Wagner, Biomigrant. This is We Walk the Earth. Thank you for joining us. time no pleasure i'm really really happy to to be recording this podcast with you i've actually thought about wanting you in the podcast a long time ago but as i told you yesterday when we were talking i really rather do this in person so i was kind of like just waiting for the for the moment and just to give some context to the people we are here in Tequisquiapan. I'm super happy that you're here in this like place where I grew up, my hometown. So it's really good to have you here. Yeah, it's a treat to be here. 
<laughs> and you've been working on some music you recorded recently. Yeah, right now what I'm working on is a collaborative project with a group of musicians in Veracruz here in Mexico based around a traditional music style called son, son jarocho. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And I spent about a week in, in Veracruz, in, in Jalapa, and like the outskirts. Um, and just friends connected me with friends, you know. It's like I showed up to the homie Edwin's house and literally like got there and five minutes later he's like, okay, so what are we going to do? And <laughs> we just like cracked open a project and, and started working and we wound up, uh-huh, like time went really fast. And did you talk to him about making music before you got there? No. I don't think we even talked before I got there, really. Like, we sent <laughs> like maybe ever. a couple messages. Uh, okay, yeah. wow. No, like, um, another friend who does some booking um, here and just has a knows a lot of folks had an idea from a while ago that he wanted to work on a project bringing... Um, so Son is one of, like, the strongest traditional music styles here in Mexico, right? Um, and wanting to bring that... So he was actually, he was on tour with Rodrigo Gallardo, um, yeah. who's an amazing yeah, yeah. Chilean Chile. musician. Yeah. yeah. And they realized that like all these kids in Mexico were singing along to this Chilean folk music, right? And he kind of had this moment where he's like, I mean, this is awesome, but, but why are we singing and dancing Chilean folk music and forgetting about the music that's here, you know? Mm. Um And so from there, he, he was excited about like making this sort of meeting happen. And he just introduced us and literally like some friends dropped me off at Edwin's door. And like we went up and said hi and he was in his studio. And yeah, we just started working and it was amazing. It was like really, really fluid. In a couple weeks of recording, we got the the bones of probably five or six tracks. Um And it was something where, you know, he, he grew up there in Jalapa and his mom was a, uh, is a traditional dancer as well. And so he plays in some amazing groups. He plays in a group called Los Aguas Aguas, which is kind of like a cumbia tropical reggae band. But he's been a part of the sort of son traditional music scene since he was a kid. And, and his homies there have, you know, he grew up with a bunch of other amazing musicians and they have this really impressive connection. And he would just call up a friend one day and say, hey, tomorrow can you come through with your harp or tomorrow can you come through with your um, medio guitarra or like this, that, the other. And just one by one, these amazing musicians would come through in like one or two takes and just magic, you know. Mm, that's nice. That's so beautiful. I'm really looking forward to, to the music. When it's released, I'm really, really looking forward to see what happens with that. Uh, yeah, Son, Son Jarocho is a very, I don't know, I'm just like starting to scratch the surface of it. Um, but it's such a beautiful genre that what I like is like all music It's very, very, well, not all music, but most of music is very, very like social and communitarian and like very intertwined with the place where it was born. I know you own a jarana, which is a son traditional instrument. When was your first like approach to son or through what medium? 
Yeah, um, it was sort of haphazard. I was at a festival in, in Guatemala for, for New Year's, I don't know, maybe 20, yeah. 13, 2012, something like that. You were like playing? That. Yeah, I had gone to a festival in Guatemala to play some music. Um, and there was a, a group from Mexico, which mostly played reggae, but there was a, I think there was a requintero. Yeah. Requinto is another is another instrument from the son tra- tradition, no? And I started talking to him later and I sort of like had, actually from a fusion, thinking about it, when I lived in California, I had some neighbors who played son jarocho, mm. um, some like Chicano neighbors. Wow. And they did some like garage jams. Like born in the U.S.? I don't remember whether they were born in the U.S. or yeah. whether they had come. Um, okay. But... You know, they would get together on the weekends and just open up their garage and put down um, the the tarima yeah. for the dance. Um, and I would just kind of stick my nose in and wow. say hi and, and hang out with them and check out what's going on. And then I think a few years later in, in Mexico, I had gone to a fandango um, in San Miguel with with some friends. Fandango is like the traditional, um, is, is the party, you know, around Son. And so I had a vague idea of of Son when I saw this guy playing Requinto and started talking to him. I was like, you know, I'd really love to learn more about this music. Um, and he told me that he had been in Veracruz with, with some teachers, with some maestros. Um, and he told me about one in particular man who's called El Luero Vega, you know, mm-hmm. who plays Requinto and El Mono Blanco, which yeah. is sort of an iconic group, who lives in this small town in Veracruz, and he had told me that he was close friends with the family and that he had stayed with them multiple times, and he thought that I could go up and visit them, you know, and tell them, hey, I'm, I'm a friend of Fulano, and can I hang out for a few days and, and learn a little bit about this music? And that sounded amazing to me. I love that kind of plan, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so at some point, I went to Veracruz, and... I started making my way to this town, which is like a really small town by the side of a river. I think there's like 300 people there. Yeah. Um, and I remember I got to the closest big town and it was like a Friday or something. And there were no buses, there were no transport to go farther than this town, right? To like get to um, get to the town of Aluero, no? And... So I started walking, you know, I had like a big backpack and a guitar and I just started walking along the path. You know, there was no way forward, no way back, no way to stay in, along the way. And it started raining and this big storm came out of nowhere. Wow. So I'm just like walking along a country road, just getting really wet. And like, what am I doing? You know, it's a long way still to get to town. Yeah. And this baker stops on a motorcycle um, and he gives me a ride, you know? So it's like, I get ba- on the back of the motorcycle with like with a guitar backpack. hanging off with a huge <laughs> backpack and, you know, we, we eat shit. We, we fall on oh, the, no. on the <laughs> side of the road, you know, in a big mud puddle. Wow. Um, and so he drops me off in, in front of El Huero Vega's house. He knew where he lived. Yeah. I mean, it's a small part. town yeah. Every, and yeah. everybody knows the musicians, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I knock on the door. And this woman opens up the door, who's El Huero Vega's wife, you know, and she opens the door and sees this like 
drenched in mud gringo <laughs> just like randomly with a big backpack <laughs> i just kind of like look at her and smile i'm kind of nervous like hey um you don't know me but um i'm fulano's friend you know yeah. and he he told me about y'all and and she looks at me kind of blank and she's like i, I don't know that guy <laughs> no. and there's this Whoa. awkward moment where i'm like okay what's gonna happen now but really really sweet people and they wound up um inviting me in anyway and i stayed with them for probably four or five days wow. um and just hanging out and hearing stories and taking a little bit of classes um doing a little bit of recording and sort of getting a sense you know the family lives there and Everybody in the family plays music, you know, it's like in back of El, El Huero Vega's house is his son who plays Harana and mm -hmm. Son de Madera, which is another sort of iconic group. And, and another house behind that is another son who plays harp. Um, wow. In front of their house is the tia, is the aunt who who dances, you know, it's like the whole gambo, wow. you know, in, in the family. And... I feel like it's really indicative of like of what you mentioned a little while ago that like this is a format of music like th these are people who have made their mark on the music scene you know um I, I couldn't imagine showing up at ran some random rocker or rapper's house and being like, hey, <laughs> I like me. your music. Yeah, teach me. You know? like, Get out of here. Taking, that's, it's just not going to happen. They're going to call the cops. They're going to, you know. Um, so, yeah, that was that was an orientation going a little bit deeper into, yeah. into the world of song. Mm. I don't know if this was the time around, uh, but when you... I met you when you were traveling from the US to Colombia by bicycle or from California. Mm -hmm. uh, what, am I right? Or I think we met the year after. Ah, okay. And you had done the trip yeah, before. Ah, I think okay. I had just done the trip the year okay. before. Okay. Okay. And were you playing music uh, along the trip? Yeah. Um, so that was another another trip that started in Guatemala, actually. Um, oh, okay. So, and yeah, I had, I had ridden a bicycle from Guatemala across Central America to Bogota. Okay. Um, and there were a couple different things happening with that trip. The biggest focus by that time I had, I had started definitely um, getting very interested in traditional music styles. And so I brought recording gear with me you know some microphones like um interface and all that kind of stuff and was trying to get a sense of just what what the story was in all the places that I was passing through sort of the context of what music are people playing where's it come from where's it going to and yeah i had a flute with me i had um my dj stuff i had a tiny little guitar and i had like one change of clothes <laughs> yeah Um, and that, that trip I wound up, that was when I got to Colombia the first time. And that was incredible. You know, I felt like Central America, I mean, going through a bike, right. I'm kind of on a, on a bike, I'm kind of scratching the surface. Right. Um, and I met some really cool people. I had some cool connections. I didn't have as much of a musical connection going through most of, most of Central America, you know, And I got to Colombia and then suddenly 
there's just so many different styles of music with a lot of history, with a lot of roots to it. And it's very alive. And that same kind of experience um, with the family in, in Veracruz, I sort of had similar experiences in a lot of different ways in many different towns and places, dif different people in Colombia where people are living their music. You know, I feel like it happens a lot with, with traditional music in, in other places places that it becomes this kind of museum piece you know people think oh i have to put on this specific kind of clothing and i have to play in a very specific kind of way and it winds up being presented for people who are sitting down and just like in an auditorium or in like an academic setting and it no longer like traditional music that that's the party music that's the rave music the the way to be a part of it is to sing dance play like i feel like if you're just sitting down and watching, you know, you can appreciate music there's that way. And there's some music that's really built for that. But there's these other music styles that have a really beautiful thing going on where it's really designed for everybody to be able to participate and everybody to be able to put energy into it. So when you take that music out of that context and make it just about a presentation, like something's missing. And I feel like the music starts to kind of peter out and die and that's why it's so special like um finding getting a chance to visit communities where that music is still very much alive very much fulfilling its function in the society yeah you know? yeah totally i mean i guess because i see it in you and the the interactions we've had in the different places we've met that music has been like a main track in your life i don't know before i met you but since i met you and like watching what you do through the internet and listening to your music, I can see that definitely being true. But, um, why, not why, well, yeah, why and at what point did you go into music like this? Like letting it guide you kind of a way, in a way. Mm, could think of a couple different ways to answer that, just in terms of like connection directly with music. It's kind of weird because like, I mean, it really is like um, uh, you could call it obsession would not be out, you know, Yeah. Um, but very much like guiding focus on life decisions in general mm -hmm. at this point. And I think until I was around like 11 or 12, I barely listened to music and it was weird. I was like a very um, analytical, introverted and sort of embittered kid. Like, I feel like I had sort of like a capacity to, to see certain things that were happening on like a social political scale around me as like a little kid and have critical thinking around it, but I didn't have any kind of balance. Mm. And I feel like around 11 or 12, my ears just kind of like opened up and all these colors started coming in and I just started like anything on the radio, I'd jot down a lyric and try to figure out where that came from or like go to the library and just burn like hundreds of CDs and wow. like to shift through everything. And like suddenly like this kind of like hunger, appetite for music came in and I felt really it was like bringing, bringing color into the world. And like, that's kind of what helped me start connecting with other people you know kind of come out of my bubble and like kind of that balance where I, I do think it's important to be able to like look at harsh realities and and deal with that but it 
doesn't take us very far if we just get overwhelmed and just get stuck into the negative. Yeah, and I feel totally. like music is like really a way to to give meaning and bring joy into the and and cat and it's also a catalyzer, no? Yeah, um, for sure. For many many things, was that um, encount like you encountering music? Did that happen because of your family or friends or? or just it just kind of happened yeah. i mean definitely like at some point a friend passed me an album my parents and my family play classical music nobody is like devoted to it so there was music around but i'm not sure exactly what it was that like it started having a different level of of meaning for me but yeah. but talking about like the orientation um sort of the other part of of what you mentioned a little while ago For example, the bike trip, right? Like, I did the bike trip because I heard a remix of a traditional marimba group from the Colombian Pacific. Mm. Like, literally wow. one track, like the Uproot Andy remix of Homenaje a Justino, mm -hmm. no, which, um, sort of like a tropical party staple at this point. And there was something in the sound of the marimba de Chonta that I hadn't really, I hadn't really heard that instrument before. I hadn't really known I was listening to that instrument before. Um, and there was just something in there that like really spoke to me. It's like, there's something you need to understand or know about or experience behind, behind the sound. And I feel like in a lot of ways, music, music works like that. It's another kind of magic piece, you know, it's, um, mm -hmm. it's this flag that is put up that represents a whole culture, worldview, reality, way of being, and can really help us like find our people, find our places, because it, you know what, more than words, it like transmits that whole way of being, and it kind of pulls us towards the things we connect with. Yeah, totally. I can totally see that happening. Yeah, like us meeting in different countries, we, because we've met in different countries with different people, different events, different, I don't know. It's been really interesting how there's this like meeting points and music definitely is like a big meeting point. And so you went to Colombia, you went through Mexico, you went to Colombia uh, and then you stayed in Colombia. Yeah. So, I mean, just, Colombia is a lot, a lot of different countries yeah, within totally. one country. You know, there's still a lot that I don't know yeah, about yeah. Colombia, and it's it's a lifetime of of experiences and, and connections there. But yeah, it's, it's been a really so, something I really appreciate about the country is also is like we're talking about these traditional music contexts that often take place in smaller towns. You mm. know, and I feel like. Colombia is like in the cities, you have also those kind of like globalized connections and influences and technology and access to these different things and worlds and other ways of being that coexist with, with these realities of traditional music and realities of smaller towns and realities of cultures that have maintained an outlook very distinct from the sort of Western globalized imprint 
So you have both those realities together. And so the meeting ground, you know, there's, I think in permaculture, there's this idea that the borderlands, you know, are sort of the most fertile points where mm-hmm. you have all this exchange from an ecosystem, but also culturally, I feel wow. like um, yeah. these border points uh, of cultures, worldviews, realities, create some really interesting possibilities and sort of continue an important conversation of what culture are we creating, carrying forwards, participating in, um, moving forward on both a local and global scale. Yeah, 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 totally. And you mix electronic music with traditional instruments and... I mean, I can see a lot of your inspirations coming from these travels and different kinds of music. Where's this, like the meeting point between the two? How have you done it in a way that for you feels respectful? And also where you're like, when, like where you are pushing yourself and the boundaries and creating something new, like this meeting point of taking something that's been there for hundreds of years and and mixing it with a like a thing that's just new and how yeah like how do you do it um in a healthy way because i can definitely see you doing it healthily i love it it's so inspiring <laughs> thanks um yeah hopefully it's in a healthy way it's definitely always <laughs> going to be some hits and misses and like definitely get things wrong <laughs> but for me A lot of it is really important that it comes from like direct personal experiences. You know, it's like I personally am not making son jarocho music. I'm not making um, curulao music. Like I can have experiences with this music and sort of bring those experiences through the filters of my own experience and, and reflect that in a different way. It's not the original traditional roots music, you know, it's a sort of a response to that. Um, and then also being able to collaborate with folks who, who grow up in one tradition or another is, is a really powerful thing. Um, I think electronic music too, more and more, it's not so much, I, I try not to think about it so much as a genre, as mm-hmm. like a tool set, Yeah, you know, and I think it's a tool set that can be applied in a lot of different contexts. I also think, um, so a friend Alex Tenorio, who's an amazing dancer and choreographer from Tumaco in the Colombian Pacific, lives in Medellin, has a foundation, um, a dance and music foundation, and they do these contemporary um, dance, sort of narrative dance pieces um, inspired by, by roots, music, and dance from the Pacific. He had a really interesting way to talk about fusion, right? Like he showed some examples of of traditional uh, dance steps from the Tumaco region. And there's one where really the dance step is showing you how to fish, right? Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how there's um these these dances that are transmitting important information. They're actually talking about how to survive in the territory. His dad who's also an amazing dancer, goes even farther and has some dances that talk about certain sicknesses. And within the dance, there's wow. information about how to cure those sicknesses, you wow. know? So anyway, he was talking about this and he was showing like the the fishing 
move, right? And he's like, okay, so I can base myself in this and modify the move and throw my hands over my head or whatever because it looks cool and it feels nice. And I can say, hey, this is a great dance step. But it's important for me to like differentiate this and not present it as, hey, this is a cool dance step traditional dance step look at me do this amazing traditional dance step yeah. right because within the context of the information that th that original dance step is passing on if you change that move suddenly you're throwing the fish away <laughs> you know, you're gonna starve <laughs> to death like it's not yeah. um yeah, yeah, yeah. so on one side feeling free to to create and to be inspired i, I feel like all music, all culture is constantly evolving and we have to adapt to different situations and, you know, but at the same time, try to have a special place and respect for um, traditions that have been going on for hundreds of years, thousands of years, and not go into an ego trip where suddenly you're like painting over Mm -hmm. something amazing that's been there way before yeah. you i got there yeah and i can definitely see that happening now with the overload of information in the, in the internet which is beautiful because we can find anything but also it's like sometimes overwhelming yeah and sometimes we're out of context right yeah. you can find yeah, yeah, little yeah. bits and pieces of anything but that doesn't mean we understand what we're finding. Yeah. Like what you were telling me about the, what was it? The Sufi musician? You told me yesterday. Ah, yeah. That's I don't even so know if pretty. I say his name right, but I had a book as a kid that really impressed me by this guy, Hazara Eniat Khan. Uh -huh. And yeah, he has, there, there's a couple stories there that blew me away. But one is, so this guy's been a musician since he was a little kid, right? Like he's dedicated to the music, whatever. And so he comes over to the American continent, I think to the U.S., um, and he's giving some concerts. And he realizes nobody understands the music he's playing. And so he doesn't give up, but he doesn't just keep giving more concerts. Like what he thinks is they don't understand the music because they don't understand the whole Sufi tradition. So he comes back, but as a teacher of Sufism, and he starts, I think he was the first to really start sharing that tradition within North America. And it was because people didn't have the context to understand the music. Mm. Yeah. So he kept on playing, I guess. Yeah. And teaching Suf Sufism. <laughs> teaching Sufism. Wow. That's amazing. The, the other thing that impressed me about his story or kind of shocked me a little bit, I mean, like talking about like dedication and music, like, okay, so here's this guy who as a little kid, adult, like music has been a centerpiece of, it, of, of his life. And at some point he stopped playing. He just, he stopped playing music. And I, I experienced would interpret that as maybe he got really depressed, maybe something bad happened, maybe he lost someone, maybe, um, but it wasn't that. He looked at music, this whole idea of like music of the spheres, right? Like he looked at music and systems of harmony and, and melody and rhythm as sort of a model of how the universe worked. And he got to a point where he no longer felt like he needed to play with the model to be able to live that experience day to day he mm -hmm. felt like he was having a musical harmonic 
experience in his day-to-day wow. life, which wow. is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I, mean, I mean, that's the goal <laughs> <laughs> to be like in tune, no, and harmonized with our surroundings. It's so beautiful when you were, now that you were saying about the, these traditional songs that explain how to fish and how to cure a disease and I, yeah, I, there's this book by this guy, I think Daniel Levitin or Levitine or something really good about the six kind of songs that kind of quote unquote changed the course of human history and development. And one of them is, I think one of them is praise, like praising some kind of deity or like the more spiritual songs. Another uh, like the war songs, the the different kind of songs, and one of them is is uh, knowledge and everyday life songs that teach you those things. And it it I don't know it in a way it's so exciting to think that music has been a way of telling stories and communicating and expressing ourselves. And now I think. It still is for a lot of people, but now also it's hard because music has become a commodity that is consumed. And I think we are very detached. I mean, I say we as a Western dude, <laughs> I don't know, but that I in Mexico, but like I don't remember. Yes, my grandparents grabbed the guitar and sang a few songs, but there was not like a musical sharing tradition, you know? And I don't know, I don't know if you had that while growing up. So growing up, my there was music around the house again, classical yeah. music, which as as a kid, I, I would listen to classical music and go with my mom to like a symphony or something. Mm-hmm. And it was that was while I was like, wouldn't listen to any kind of pop music or whatever. You know, I had this weird block and then mm-hmm. anyway. But I feel like I didn't have a deeper connection. I don't know how much like what we're talking about with with culture and worldview and knowledge kind of being passed on i don't know how much of that i felt with the classical music yeah in general i feel like our western society has a lot of holes in it yeah. you know yeah and i think there that that within this continent um which is very westernized which is very globalized but there's also a lot of other parallel realities and ways of being within that. And I think really in some way, I'm very grateful to music as something that's helped create bridges and create connections with people who grew up in very different mm-hmm. realities to my yeah. own. Yeah. And I think beyond even like the music, like what what I'm most grateful for are these opportunities to feel and share in other ways of being and other ways of relating you know and I feel like music has really been a vehicle for that and 
Yeah, it's something that can connect us across language barriers, across class barriers, across yeah. all, all that kind of just cut yeah. through it and you can feel the humanity of the other person and, and relate with each other from that point, Yeah, which doesn't always happen. Yeah, in a way, we're a bit more open. Not that we are more open, but like we can open more easily uh, through the arts, I think, and through being surrounded by expression and... At the end, that comes from our feelings, you know, and being human. So that's like what, where we connect, I think. Mm -hmm. hmm. Oh, and going back to the idea of, of music that transmits sort of a lineage uh, of information. It's like this whole idea of kind of culture as a living thing um, and us as like agents or little bacteria making up the body of cultures you know i remember going to the house of a cuban percussionist who plays bata the music around santeria no mm -hmm. and i remember going to his house for a class um and the first thing we did the first thing he showed me was this kind of altar that he had with the family tree of his teacher and his teacher's teacher and his teacher's teacher wow. and all the students. And I remember feeling really strongly this idea of, and it wasn't even so much veneration of the teacher. I mean, that was an element, yeah. but it was more like them all being custodians of this living being, mm. which is this specific branch of a specific style of, of music, you know? Wow. And that level of love and attention and, awareness that there's something like we talk about like biodiversity in mm -hmm. nature and we talk about like how every species has like this importance and if mm, every extinction we lose something that you never get back and yeah. we don't really i mean talking about plants and medicine like we don't have a way to conceive of all the beauty and all the tools that we're losing yeah. with with every extinction that passes every day. Yeah. And I feel like basically the same thing happens with musical styles, you know? Yeah, totally. I love that idea of being a custodian of a tradition, or in this case, a style of music. I never thought of it in that way. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Uh, did you meet this musician in Cuba? Um, That was in California. In California, uh -huh. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the States, oh, California especially, but the, the, the States in general, the, the melting pot situation of like so many people from different contexts. Mm -hmm. It's, I don't know, it's very interesting. It's very interesting what it generates. Sorry, like my, my brain went directly to like, there's a mortal technique, like the, the rapper, there's a lyric, I think. Yeah. We're burning in the melting pot. I feel uh -huh. like melting pot, is is often unfortunately accurate yeah, analogy of the u.s like a lot of times that concept so is put forward hot. as yeah like look how amazing this point where everything's kind of brought together but i feel like the u.s in a lot of ways has worked on this structure of okay we're gonna allow in certain immigrants that serve us to have yeah. construct this economic yeah, machine yeah, yeah. but the price for being allowed into this economic machine is we're going to throw 
your culture, your language, even your name into the melting pot yeah. and it's going to burn away. Mm, and now we're not going to have any yeah. roots. And, you know, I grew up in suburbia. It's like culture was something that you bought at Hot Topic and your culture is that you're emo or whatever. Yeah. It's like it becomes a consumer commodity that changes every two years on a superficial level to be able yeah. to sell a different kind of T-shirt or yeah. a different color of shoe. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah, totally, totally. Do you think that we also have to thank that for many of the... I don't know, it's tricky because, yes, I can see the whole like capitalistic abuse culture that you say of like ah we we have this land and we need someone to work for us so that we can build our dreams <laughs> kind of i mean it's horrible but it it's a bit like that but do you think there is like a positive side to the cultural exchange Cultural exchange within the U.S. Cultural yeah, exchange. yeah, within the U.S. and within this like uh, movement of people. Yeah, no, I mean, it's thinking it's, on it's like a historical it's context. Tricky. Some really beautiful things have happened from movements that have sometimes been caused by really terrible things. Yeah. You know, it's impossible to yeah. talk about music and in the uh, Americas and in the world without yeah. the African influence. Yeah. And um, so everything from blues to cumbia yeah. to son has, has the African influence. And there's this amazing music coming out of legacies of exploitation and slavery. So for something beautiful to come out doesn't necessarily mean that the process, the was, process was joyful, beautiful or yeah. justified. I think... That there's always mm, an extreme in one direction always creates a response in another direction. So mm. I do see something interesting within sort of ground zero of, of the modern uh, neoliberal capitalist state U.S., mm -hmm. right? Like there's been some interesting alternative movements that have also had repercussions around the world partly because the system is so far in one direction that it kind of creates people looking for responses in other yeah. directions. And so you do start exploring other possibilities there, you know, and mm -hmm. sort of counterculture movements from within Europe and from within the U.S. that have created mm -hmm. interesting things that have then yeah. also made it to other parts of the world and yeah. and mixed with other ideas and, yeah. and generated other possibilities. Yeah. Do you think these counterculture movements are like natural response like a natural response to try and find a way to heal this like trauma yeah i think um there's a lot of truth in that which doesn't always mean that it works you yeah, know yeah, <laughs> or yeah, that yeah, doesn't get <laughs> lost along the way yeah. but yeah I, i do think there is sort of If I'm doing something that hurts myself yeah. and I I can realize that I'm hurting myself, yeah. I'm going to want to try to figure out a way to do it, it differently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Totally. Have you seen it? Um, have you seen it work somewhere? 
the healing uh, of uh, of not necessarily counterculture movement, but like healing through music or through art to some of these things that keep us from, I don't know, being at our best socially, culturally. I mean, on a just a direct personal level, like yeah. I'm pretty convinced that I'm here because I was able to find a connection with music that that mm. is helping me mm, make sense yeah. of the world around me. Just yeah. So on the most direct personal level, I think that that's a real thing. And I know a lot of the relationships, a lot of the, the friends who are like most important to me, I've found within spaces, sort of alternative spaces, trying to create little bubbles of other realities as like test runs, you yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we're all trying to figure out how that gets brought back into the fold and like applied on more of a day-to-day level. But, but yeah, I think, you know, it gets frustrating because then it also gets turned into stereotypes and memes and abuses and, um, it's like, there's a lot of, People getting carried away with the idea of medicine, music, and shamanism, and yeah. psychedelic traditional medicines that have a lot of really beautiful things, but then they're also kind of brought back into the same yeah. context of becoming a commodity, and so they start losing meaning. But that doesn't mean that the things happening on more of a mm, slow, little by little, maybe a little less advertisement and and shiny colors level aren't real you know (laughs) yeah totally yeah it's tricky to get the best of it without contaminating it get the best of of traditional music medicine and being respectful as being respectful and maybe get the get the best sound is sort of a I don't know if that's exactly the way to yeah, say it because it yeah. may, uh, it puts it in kind of like an extractivist yeah. sort of yeah, yeah, mindset. Yeah. Like, and, and I think that's part of the issue when we start getting into appropriation and all that stuff. Yeah. It's like if our first thought is, "How does this thing give me something?" Give me something. Yeah. So that's maybe not the mindset that's most yeah. like helpful. Yeah, yeah, like maybe like being around. Yeah, finding ways to learn and participate and hopefully be able to to give give uh-huh. in in you know small ways or whatever it is but be a part of not take from and and put a different brand name on it and yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, sell yeah. it to your homies because look at this amazing thing that I discovered. Yes. You know? yeah, that's like a way of being a colonizer yeah total through <laughs> yeah through art it's like sampling a downloading a sample from some traditional song and then just totally, putting yeah. a bit behind i mean it. and you know it's a gray area like yeah for example exactly that like i, I generally try not to do like edits or whatever around like just something ripped off of youtube because i like to have a personal experience and a context around something but so i did it no um (laughs) (laughs) there's this amazing song which is most known 
actually I don't remember the name of the guy who who wrote it, but it's most known in the interpretation of a couple brothers, the mm-hmm. Balanta brothers mm-hmm. um, from the Pacific in Colombia, and the song says, "In este mundo hay mucho hijo de puta," which you know it's like. In this world, there's a lot of son of bitches, mm-hmm. but like I don't even know how to describe it in this really authentic way. Like I remember, um, the last presidential election in Colombia, this guy Ivan Duque won, and it was a really tough moment because the obviously Colombia has been going through this whole civil war, like this just terrible, long, violent thing, um, and. There's this guy, Uribe, who was president years ago and was president during one of the most violent periods and really stoked the fire on this whole violence and has never let go. He has like this personal vendetta that he's been pursuing and he's been behind all of the last presidents in Colombia. It's like he's almost been the president over the last presidencies, right? And one of his... So this guy who entered as his puppet... Um, Santos, the the president before, the current guy, um, broke away from him and agreed to this historic peace deal with the major rebel group after 50 years of civil war. Like, this is a big thing. And if you look at the peace deal, it's actually really beautiful. Like, this is a conflict that started on sort of idealistic grounds and then got really muddied by drugs and just the repetition of violence, yeah. cycles of violence really whittle away at idealism pretty quick. But you yeah. look at the the peace deal and it actually comes back to trying to, one, in a very conscious way, reintegrate the society and look at how the society can heal from 50 years of conflict and also address some of the roots of the conflict, which is majorly land inequity you know, trying to make stronger rights for small landowners, who, which is a major theme in Colombia. You have a few people who own a large portion of the country. Um, So you have this peace deal, which is moving in a really, like, how did this even happen? This is sort of incredible, you know? And then Ivan Duque won the presidency by just a little bit. But so he was the guy that Uribe put. Okay. So he came in and he immediately started tearing down this whole peace treaty. It was like, see the possibility of a 50-year conflict finally coming to a close, starting to heal, and then somebody comes in and just tears the wound open again. Wow. Um, wow. Strong moment. Anyway, so it, I had remembered when I was hanging out with friends in, in Tumaco, this song, like the, in este mundo hay mucho y fue puta, ¿no? Yeah. Um, and I just needed like release or whatever. And I found a copy of it on YouTube, downloaded it a la mala and did an edit. And it's (laughs) funny. It's like one of the, one of the tracks, I'm just like SoundCloud or whatever that got like most, um, plays or whatever. And when I posted it, this guy wrote me on Facebook and generally when people, I don't know. Facebook is not famous for being a place for like real dialogue <laughs> Consciousness to happen. and right? empathy. <laughs> so this guy writes me and he's 
sometimes the manager of these brothers of this family. Yeah. And he originally, he's mad he's at me. offended. Yeah. He's like, what are you doing? This is not your track. Why are you sharing this? Why You're did you American. make this? <laughs> You're just grabbing this. And so I wrote him back without much expectation. It's somebody mad at me on Facebook. Like this isn't going to go anywhere yeah. good. Right. But I wrote him back and explained one, like where I knew the track from two, why I was making it. Three, that I wasn't making any money off of it. It's just a free download of something that was already on the internet and that it's like a way of responding to this political moment. And we actually stayed in touch off of that. Uh -huh. And when he organized a tour of this family in Bogota and was doing a recording session, he wrote me and he invited me to come play guitar. Wow. <laughs> the recording sessions. And I got to hang out and drink Vicha with the family and show them the edit. And they were stoked on it. And it was like, you know, so just coming back to like the gray zones. Yeah. It's like, okay, so generally it's not such an ideal thing to just rip something from YouTube and make an edit. Yeah. But then again, some interesting things and some beautiful encounters yeah. can happen from that kind of space too, you know? Yeah, and there's like a tribute approach to doing something like that or like just trying to take advantage of a sound to have people applaud you or yeah. or sell some tracks online or something. Intention goes a long way, for yeah, sure. Yeah, totally, totally. It's not totally. everything, but it goes a long way. Yeah, totally. That's crazy. So you're going back to Colombia next friday like next week after a long time of of touring kind of touring and living in different places right yeah it's it's been a weird couple of years i think that goes yeah. for everybody right yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, um end of 2019 i left colombia after that being home base over a good chunk of years um and i had some some immigration paperwork issues and I came up to some gigs in, in Mexico and wound up from Mexico, Costa Rica, and then was invited to Chile for like a month, just small tour, yeah. which was at the beginning of 2020. So probably know where the story's going, right? Like yeah. February, March, I did three weeks of the tour and then sort of got stuck in Chile for eight months. Yeah. <laughs> um, in Pucón or near yeah, Pucón or Pucón, something. Yeah, in Pucón and Coñaripe. Yeah. And it was beautiful. You yeah. know, it's an incredible place. It's a good place, place to be stuck. Yeah. 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 Rough winter a little bit. But, yeah, I can but, imagine. But good people there and like amazing volcanic lakes and forests. Yeah. And, um, got a lot of time in the woods and finished a couple albums and you know yeah. then i'd come back up to mexico and was doing like an exchange in baja with a recording studio and project there um went back to colombia for for a gig and to like finally start putting the pieces together again and then just kind of my body gave out on me and so i actually wound up going up to the u.s for the first time um in a while visiting my parents for the first time in a while yeah. taking a few months to give my body a chance to like <laughs> make sense of itself you mm -hmm. know and 
from the end of last year, I've been here in Mexico doing gigs and and getting the confidence back that my body can take care of itself. Yeah, <laughs> um, which is going well, happily, hmm. and yeah, excited to head back to Colombia. And it's it, it feels like it's gonna be sort of restarting. It feels like hmm. processes that were going before kind of ended, and it's gonna be to see what's new <laughs> yeah, yeah and also a new you coming back no yeah for sure always nice. and like in this process how have you seen the like the music the scene that you're tapped into change what like how have you seen it change and where do you think it's like heading huh it's interesting it's like um I feel like when I was starting this project, kind of from the electronic context, I there I didn't have a scene. I mean, there were lots of things happening around the world, but I didn't yeah. have a direct connection to it. Mm -hmm. And as some years went by, wound up in spaces and inv invited to certain events and started meeting kind of this family doing similar things. And it was really cool. I feel like um, Festival Nomai, Mm -hmm. where yeah. we reconnected like yeah. is a really good example of that where um in chile yeah and you know that hadn't happened to me before where like you come to play at an event and maybe a couple of folks but like most of the folks you don't know but their projects and maybe a few of them know your project yeah. and it's just um you're all there for the same reason mm -hmm. and it really is family like and yeah. that level of connection with people and those spaces have been really really special and really yeah. encouraging my perspective right now is i think music almost every music scene i think has gone through kind of a roller coaster yeah. through the last couple of years and it feel it still feels a little fractured to me It still feels a little, okay, where's everybody at? What's everybody <laughs> doing? What's our headspace? Like, yeah. what projects and initiatives came to an end? Yeah. What projects survived? What new ideas are there? Where do we go from here? It, it does feel like kind of still in the restart and reconnect mm -hmm. phase. Um There's some interesting initiatives. I think maybe you talked about it with Laura, with mm -hmm. Lola Via, no? Um, yeah, the like DJs the, for climate. Yeah. Uh -huh. You did talk about that? In, yeah, uh, not in the podcast. No. Ah, okay. So I think um, I think she went uh, uh, into collaboration with them after we recorded. Got you. Yeah, yeah there's some initiatives which, for example, uh, um, Lola Via has been a part of along with El Buo and some other amazing musicians, to start um, at least creating spaces of dialogue of how the music scene and the music industry can respond to environmental and social realities yeah. in a more responsible and proactive way. Yeah. And I feel like that's definitely a big part of the question moving forward there's definitely like a certain amount of idealism exemplified in in the music scene that were around 
And it's not always easy or obvious how that kind of thinking gets translated into practices that make it real. Yeah. Um, and I think as things are starting to pick up again and doors are starting to open and and new initiatives are kind of being made, it's definitely an opportunity for us to be more engaged with living those ideals. Yeah, um, And have definitely been hearing about like some of those artists, for example, declining gigs that would have them crossing an ocean just for one show and then going back which is my respects you know yeah as a musician always excited to get shows and it takes a lot to say and also within that dialogue thinking about directly the social impacts of music and when we're talking about music that comes from um very specific contexts and community is also uh this sense of responsibility where if I'm going to be given certain um, opportunities and spaces to present a music that's coming from, that, that's inspired by these communities. How is that going to serve these communities too? Yeah. All those sort of questions and dialogues. Um, it, it feels like the right moment for those to come to the front. Totally. Yeah, we need that. We really need that. And we need everyone involved in this scenes and these uh, situations to be part of this dialogue no the musicians the promoters the venue owners the even the eventually the government officials that and give the public the like public us yeah. as like audience to also like how are we participating in yeah. these spaces yeah. you know i mean as i understand it it's sort of a um, manifiesto it's sort of a open invitation yeah. um to be part of the dialogue and to take actions and to connect with other people who are trying to move in that direction. Um, they do do a event series, yeah. which raises money for environmental causes, yeah. which they always put out an invitation for people in whatever part of the world that want to organize an event as part of it. So there's definitely open spaces for participation for whoever wants to be involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really nice to see these spaces popping up and also realizing that we can start these conversations in our own communities mm-hmm. and in our own without with our own people also, not to like in a more local level. It's very interesting. I think it's a very interesting thing about the internet that we can connect like this. DJs for Climate Action well, initiative. You're connected to people all over the place, like all over the world. And it's sometimes it's very interesting the process of how to connect this global community to your local com- community. Sometimes for me, to be honest, it feels like it's two different realities. Mm-hmm. Uh, me in this town, for example, in this community, if I go to like Mexico City or like a bigger hub, it feels more connected to this like global community. So taking action from there, it's like sometimes easier because it's like there's more people readily available to jump on some projects or initiatives. But depending on where you are, I think it's interesting to create this interface between the global and the local. For sure. And on some level, local is where it becomes real, right? Yeah, exactly. Global is a beautiful place to throw ideas yeah. around. But yeah, until yeah, yeah. 
you or I like figure out how we're going to do something with just a couple of homies yeah. around us yeah. on more of the day to day. Like yeah. it's just ideas. It's just yeah. us talking. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, it was tricky for me growing up here in this not so little town, but it's definitely not a big city. I grew up here and I was because of many reasons like media and TV and movies and stuff. I was always looking in, out. I was always looking out like my dad's and my CD collection, collection right yeah. there is full of US music, uh, for uh -huh. example, like rock and blues and this. And I was always looking out. And yes, there was a big part of me more from my grandfather, like more bolero and more son and like more local styles. I, I mean, I mm -hmm. went to to music because that's a, like a big thing for me growing up in a matter of like culture and what art I was consuming or bringing into my life. But I really took a while to start developing an interest and a taste for what was around me, like here. And it's been interesting. That rings really true for me and it feels like a big part of like coming back to okay so why are we talking about traditional musics and even more than that's like this whole idea that like basically you have music from europe or maybe now like the asian pop machine or something and everything else is world music is really <laughs> crazy like we're that fed world music thing really like oh, creeps yeah. me out it's like oh no why I, I can have a nightmare with this totally and it's term. this whole idea of like there's really only one perspective so that's validated as as what's culture yeah. and so it's like more than talking about hey traditional music folk music this or that it's really like just giving the space creating space allowing space for all these different realities to really have room to express themselves and not get lost in this one monolithic um, narrative. And then the the other thing that w what you just said made me think of, like um, when we're talking about local impacts, you know, around music or not around music, just from the last couple of days here in Tequisquiapan, there, there's been... So we went to this concert, right? Like, at, what's the name of the space? Huizache, uh, Casa Huizache. Casa Huizache, which was a cool story that you shared yeah. about how and why that space is it's alive. Is alive. Yeah, so this family decided to not go and just give in to this easier way. And they decided to just make a, like a community little hub, like a community plaza, with a, like a really nice pizza place that a friend owns and a local uh, source clothing place. and and Which is coming from like women's collectives from indigenous exactly, communities yeah, yeah, here yeah. in Mexico. Yeah. Like what, sorry, like, yeah. sorry to interrupt. Um, what really impressed me about the space is like, so you have this big kind of open, um, you have this big open courtyard kind of with yeah. different nooks and crannies. And so different families and friends uh, of this group have each started their own little business within mm -hmm. it. And so, yeah, you have like this women's 
collective indigenous community fair trade clothing store you have like a nice hand done pizzas you have craft beer you have like mm -hmm. all these different little nooks and crannies yeah. and it's the kind of place where the folks who are working there on their day off are coming there yeah, to the party to there. just hang out yeah and so suddenly you have this community gathering space yeah. in the center and so yeah. we had gone there um to kind of coming back to where we started we had yeah. gone there to a concert of son jarocho which would never have happened in, in the fancy in corporate the fancy, restaurant yeah and the group that played from san juan del rio which is the next town the next over. town yeah and so this group that played were, were incredible yeah. like really powerful musicians and just storytellers yeah. yeah and had everybody getting up and dancing talking about local impact so here's a group you know there was a small cover but they're not taking money from that cover they're using the money that comes in to fund community music classes yeah and in the same place in the same um restaurant they're also doing weekly dance classes yeah so when they play suddenly there's a group of mostly older women from yeah. the community who are getting up and and dancing and participating in the music so suddenly everything that we're talking about participatory community music created with that intention these are people who are working day jobs and that's yeah. that's something that's come up a lot also within like like folk music or traditional music context a lot of the time you have like a fisher or a roofer or yeah, whatever who are incredible panadero. musicians yeah. um and it's a weird place to navigate you know because in a westernized reality definitely one side of things is we have to find ways to generate real income for these incredible musicians but yeah. on another level also get a taste um of what we lose from privatizing and professionalizing music because like from a western context we have this idea of music as a career you have one person out of 10 who's making music for everybody else the rest are just absorbing the music that person yeah. only makes music and now it's the commodity market yeah. whereas like when you have a there's a different model <laughs> where people live their lives do their thing and also create music in spaces where everybody is there like yeah. participating anyway that went a little off the side um but local impacts you know it's like a decision to go a harder way and to create sort of a DIY space with friends and family which permits that they're in the town center is a space for people to gather for a space for people to learn about music history for a space yeah. for people to um support community music workshops and and be a part of that and also that's the flag that's the flag that goes up you know it's like you go to a space like that and you meet somebody who you don't know this could be somebody important in in your life this could be an important relationship yeah. and that's all the magic coming together from small local decisions Yeah, and at the end, it's about being engaged, no, with with what's next, with your neighbor, with your friends, with the community. It's a very interesting again going back to the global community versus not versus because it's not against, but like trying to mix it, community traveling versus staying. 
at home. <laughs> it's one Never that's hard one. it's a hard one. It's a hard one because I'm like, oh, like I want to be out there experiencing the world, but every time I, I'm like, I do feel like here is my home because I grew up here. But I, there is something, Mike, about me feeling like I, I'm looking for a place. Maybe. I don't know if it's healthy, if it's not healthy, I don't know. But I, I always appreciate this place. It nurtures me and I have beautiful connections and I've tried to give back to it a lot, but I'm still looking. Yeah, no, I mean, connection, the place is a big deal and I'm kind of in this contradiction too. It's like, it's yeah. one of the things that really is, is beautiful to me and like that most I value and I'm bouncing around from one place to another constantly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, your artist name is Biomigrant, so it's... But then also, <laughs> I, I feel like, okay, so migration is definitely a very human thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. And like the whole story of us as, yeah. you know, on species level of migration. It's, Exploring. And it's, and, yeah. you know, it's that contrast between migration and relationship to place. Yeah. Hi, <sighs> humans. <laughs> mm, yeah our conversation last night was really inspiring uh we I, talked like you were explaining a little bit to me about the format of the podcast and yeah kind of the, the expanding format yeah and like this idea of being able to have different perspectives towards the same thing you know and yeah. it's like we have a space for dialogue but also a space to have a dialogue through just sound through the sound journeys that you're exactly. doing um yeah. And we were talking about the potential to have a closer link between, between the, the themes explored yeah. in the conversations and the sound journeys that are yeah. being presented and hopefully get a chance to put together a sound journey mm, yeah. for y'all. Yeah, yeah. We, I think we both share this love of um, field recording. Yes. And yes. being able to like really sink into sound and like really yeah. feel experience of place and time yeah. um, through these recordings. Yeah, I mean for me it has been a very beautiful tool to connect with myself and with my surroundings sounds and music yes but like just paying attention to the sounds and when i started recording this takes it to a different level because you are like a step closer to that consciousness about what's there mm -hmm. and i feel very very privileged to have been close to like sound and recording and recording equipment and stuff but i think bringing this to other people i hope i hope that some people appreciate it and connect with it in any way i, I think there's something really special there too i've been um able to do some projects with with radio with some friends in uh -huh. colombia and like yeah. a big part of that conversation is in in a world where we have cameras everywhere like we as humans like tend to latch on to the visual and um there's something really beautiful about giving space and attention to listening and i feel like there's some parallels between um a listening session and and reading a book versus watching a movie you know it's like you read the book and obviously you have a certain level of participation in creating that reality. You have certain cues yeah. and the rest of it you fill in yourself. I, I feel like listening sessions too, it, it asks a little bit more of the yeah. participant to like Presence. place themselves yeah. into it and have the presence with it. 
and I feel like sound has this really magic ability to to transport us in space and time, yeah. you yeah. know. And so these listening sessions, I feel like, are a way to give ourselves the chance to to have that experience. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, very looking forward to collaborate more and also to have your music in the podcast. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. This has been a really, really lovely conversation. It's been fun. I've learned a lot. Right on. That was Michael Alfred Wagner, Biomigrant. If you want to listen to more of his amazing music, head to the links in the show notes of this episode and stay tuned for next week's sound journey on We Walk the Earth's Feet, recorded and composed by Biomigrant himself. In today's Poetry Forest, Virginia Vigliar shares with us this array in unison written by herself. The dance of the madman requires a chorus. Mouths enchanted by the music, all dancing to the same rhythm. An orchestra of lived experience and long-lost memories. I shake at the sight of love, because I know what's next. Conscious cause of pain and perpetual recognition of the heart. Now the madman drops the dance and starts conducting a chorus. Love might tear us apart, they sing, but it will certainly bring us back together. The mouths, they keep on singing. I cannot promise you forever, but I can tell you about tomorrow. Softer, softer lips continue singing. Don't fear the back of the slip if you haven't hit the front. The madman joins the chorus, from dancing to singing in an attempt to lick his wounds. Love, love might tear us apart, but it will definitely bring us back together. This array in unison was written by Virginia Vigliar. If you want to find out more about her work, please follow the links in the show notes of this episode. This episode of We Walk the Earth is supported by Evan Pagan's virtual coach training. If you wish to find out more about this training and Evan's work on helping people healthily achieve their biggest potential, please go to the link in the show notes of this episode. We Walk the Earth is a Nodalav original and is produced by me, Sergio Isauro. The music in this episode was produced by Biomigrant. Poetry Forest by Virginia Vigliar. Editing by Miguel Andrade. Mixing by Samuel Peñalba. Executive production by Jorge González. Content strategy by Sofia Benedicto. If you like this podcast, please rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify. This will help us keep going, creating and igniting curiosity in more people. This is We Walk the Earth. Thank you for listening. Until next time.